Hello team, welcome to another episode of the Rugby Journey podcast. This week we have a very special guest. We've got Peter from the Rugby Bricks, mate. How are you, Pete? Fantastic, mate. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Big fan of podcasts, so um, yeah, pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Oh, mate, thank, <laughs> thanks for jumping on, mate. How good is that? It's insane. Um, well, first, I'd just like to give a shout out to Sydney Podcast Studios for letting me use their studio today. Uh, it's very, very nice, very kind of them to... Uh, you know, let me use all their equipment as I don't have much of my own. So it's always very nice. Um, so Pete, mate, just tell us a little bit about you. Obviously, obviously Kiwi uh, from the mighty uh, Otago, Otago area, which is where my family's actually from. So um, awesome. yeah, so uh, mate, tell us about your rugby journey. Skip it back for me, sort of how you fell in love with it, uh, your junior footy, your senior footy, stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose my rugby journey didn't really start until I turned 16, actually. So before that, I was cricket and basketball. I was mad on basketball really? um, and cricket as well. So they were my two main sports. Obviously did everything else under the sun as well, athletics, swimming. Um, I grew up in a small town called Omaru. So if you didn't play sport, there wasn't much else to do um, other than get in trouble. So <laughs> me and the brothers went pretty hard out with, with sport. Um, but yeah, basketball was my thing. I loved it. Um, managed to get on some tours over to, to Australia with um, just NZ age group teams. Um, and it was pretty funny, actually. We were at a Wallaroos camp recently with, with the girls at the AIS. And I remember going to the Australian Institute of Sport when I was like 12. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and it hasn't changed. Yeah, it was horrendous. I remember getting so homesick when I was 12. Um, and it was funny going there as now like a 31-year-old with a little bit different outlook on life. Um, so, yeah, uh, basketball was my thing. I absolutely loved it. Um, which really sort of inspired my my skill. So I love I love skill, and that's that's probably where I've gone with rugby bricks as well. Um, so fast forward through that, all my mates were playing rugby, and then so I just wanted to have a game. Got thrown straight into it with the first fifteen. Got put it put in the midfield, and went all right. I, I think I didn't really think about it, but I did a whole heap of offloading. And I don't know whether that was just like a, a basketball thing, but all the boys were just like, what's going on here? Like you're just sitting here right up. Like it's awesome. Like good shit. Sensational. Um, without even thinking that I didn't even know what an offload lot was, but yeah, that's right. what I was doing. Um, Natural. And, and yeah. Yeah. And then when I right, I was always pretty big and, and athletic, which was good. Um, and then managed to get an opportunity to go down to Otago Academy, which is when I really started to, to go pretty hard with it. Um, and then, yeah, wanted to play first five. I loved kicking. I loved goal kicking. Um, so I wanted to have a crack at that. And I was probably a little bit late starting, to be honest, with actually understanding what it takes to play 10 in a first five role and organize, direct, move teams around the park. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Got a crack with the Otago team, played there for four years. Went up north for two years and um, and then came over to Melbourne. So that's the overview, bro. Yeah, <laughs> sensational. So I heard this. I heard. Um, I think I saw it on your Instagram. Actually, I heard this great story of. Um, I think it was. I think you might have been playing for Otago or maybe trying to get picked for the Landers or something. Um, and uh, you were you were doing the goal kicking outside the stadium or something like that. Uh, can you tell yeah. us that story? I really like that story. It's we've got. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. The, the the reason I really love that story is because it like it sort of shows that if you're willing to work, like someone's going to help you. Mm. Like the the master's going to appear. The person like that's you, right. You just they get attracted to you because you're you're ready and you're willing. So. Um, I'd got a lot of no's. I, I like 
my rugby career was I was a hard worker. I had to work for everything. I didn't get anything given um, for free. I had to earn every every opportunity I got. And the kicking story was is there was a guy called Hayden Parker who's played for the Hollanders, the Sunwolves, gun kicker, yeah. probably almost sort of that fourth, first five. The All Blacks were looking at him as well. Right. Um, when he was over in Japan, he had a tough decision. So he was the kicker. He was an unbelievable kicker. And I knew that, well, the only way I'm going to get to be able to play is, is if I can kick as good as Hayden. And so just went hard with it, kicked every day. Like I was training with my club up at another field and it was like a four-minute drive that I had to boost down the field to get to another field that had good lights so that I could continue kicking. <laughs> so that was my Tuesday, Thursdays, uh, every oh, – for about a year – and I knew that I had like um, about 25 to 30 minute kicking time because the lights always got turned off at 8, 8.30 on the dot and I'd be mid-kick and literally just pitch black, just oh. the lights get shut off, just thud. Um, and then it slowly just started getting longer and longer and like I'd be kicking to like 9 o'clock and I'd be like, how good is this? Like they've obviously decided to leave the lights on for slightly longer and bloody beauty and Anyway, long story short, I had a game against Southland. Lima Sopawanga was the 10. Um, mm. I was so nervous about it, but had a great game. Um, kicked all my goals. It was like seven from seven. And then game finished up, and and this person just came over to me after the game. I actually won man of the match. So it was you can tell it was a great game. I was pretty stoked with it. Um, and this guy came over, and he just said, oh, it must have been all those kicks across the road. And I was like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, must have been. And he's like, you've got no idea who I am, do you? And I was like, nah, no idea. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm the, I'm the security guard. And I, I noticed you were out there kicking, and it was my job to turn off the lights. And so whenever I saw you, I'd just go and do my other jobs. And then uh, once I'd finished those, I'd come and, and let you have an extra 15, 20 minutes of kicking. And that was my contribution. That's and, so uh, cool. That's yeah, so cool. pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, that's a look. I I heard that story. Um, oh, jeez, I think it would have been maybe, maybe early this year or maybe last year. I heard it. I thought, wow, that's that's really, um, that's that's so cool because I was I was in um a bit of rehab with my ankle, like a bit of an ankle injury. Um, and I was like, you know, just sometimes you just, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, sometimes as a rugby player or doing anything, you're just not motivated to get up and just be like, oh, look, I just can't, like, you know, yeah, I can't really be bothered to go to the physio today or, or, or whatever. Um, and that story was like, all right, cool, well, you know, if little Peter can, can get out of bed and, uh, <laughs> and you know, sort of kick goals all day, then I've got to do something, you know what I mean? So I think, uh, and that's and that's what this, you know, podcast is all about, eh? Like, I mean, you know, we're, as the way I look at it is we're trying to go rugby together. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for one person to grow rugby in, in in a sense so i think we all we all have a part to play and i think even just one story just look you know i was i was out kicking just randomly at a park and you know a stranger as you said sort of came in and wanted to help like probably because yeah. he he saw it himself in you or whatever just being nice um you know i think the um the the good part of that and one thing that i've trying to encourage people is like if you're putting in the putting in the work you can all of a sudden ask better questions so with rugby bricks i get asked all the time teach me how to kick Mm. and like that is a massive question (laughs) whereas if, if a player came up to me and said hey pete i've been working for six months now on my box kick every time that i've putting my ball out there i'm just getting a slight rotation of the ball and just not getting a nice strike how can i fix that yeah. like all of a sudden wow this yeah. person 
wants it. Mm. I want to help this person. So mm. I think that's a good example of you need to start it so you can ask better questions for people that can help. Mm. Well, I, and just on that, like obviously, obviously I've uh, scoured through your uh, big fan of the uh, rugby bricks, especially on Instagram. It sort of uh, gets me, gives me my rugby fix for the day, which is great. Um, Thanks, man. And uh, no, definitely. And um, yeah, I see, I see a lot of uh, Aaron Smith videos. You teach him how to pass, and then obviously your tutorials on how to kick. And the thing that I love about it the most is that it's very specific. It's very sort of uh, you show what people would normally do wrong. And then you say, well, maybe do this. Like I was seeing your drop kick video. Don't know why second row was watching a drop kick video. But anyway, um, well, it's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we're watching this drop kick video. And I think you were saying that you had to get on a 45 degree angle to get the ball more distance or well, I probably probably read it wrong but anyway um, I, yeah I probably watched it wrong but anyway I was no that's right that's uh, right but yeah so 45 degrees and, and get under the ball which is which is great because you know if I'm coaching a junior team and they're going to come ask me questions and if I don't know the answer I just go oh, uh, watch rugby bricks I don't know you know just, sort of, <laughs> just yeah you just go off you go sort of thing um, but it's great it's detailed and it's very as you said before it's very specific advice um, which can help a lot of a lot of people in whatever whatever it is they're trying to do, whether it's kicking or finding a spot to kick in, blah, blah blah. And it gives their training specific training. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of yeah. instead of just going to a park and go, okay, we'll just do drop kicks. Well, what type of drop kick do you want to do? Do you want to do short ones? Do you want to do long ones? Like, what are you aiming for? Blah blah. blah. So that's what I love about that. The question I have for you is: Do you think rugby in Australia or rugby in general probably at more sort of at the intermediate level is missing that from its coaches the specific sort of feedback yeah i don't only think that it's australia and i think that this is where the big opportunity can lies i i love building players it's mm-hmm. it's what i love doing and um and i know the the hours and the time that you can spend just on one skill like it's going to take reps and i think that's the one thing that obviously goal kicking taught me is how long the journey is mm-hmm. and i think with a lot of coaches they more are facilitators they're, they're at the field they've set up the, the training, they've got the bag of balls, the, like people are fantastic at that. The skillful coaches are the ones that can actually build a player. They have an eye for detail. They don't let the person out of the drill until they've sort of started to nail them and understand it. And, and again, going back to that building of players. So I think that's... Um, and also some people probably shy away from it. Like you've got to be pretty confident with your delivery of what you're coaching as well. Um, and I think with all my messaging and the videos that you watch, it's always, for me, this is what worked. This is what I found. Mm. Um, and it's those types of things that set up the skill rather than just saying, this is the one way you have to do it. Um, so I would like to see a more of a, a building of players Show me, show me the players you've built rather than the teams that you coach, mm. um, because I think you end up getting to a better result. Well, and I think I think on that as well. I think there's a lot of players that probably have the same uh, abilities, right? But there's there's a couple of them who might not have. Um, we we just talked off off um, off camera about how uh, it seems to be here in Australia that uh, the focus is on GPS. So maybe they've got better facilities or better coaching or or something like that, where other people who are just you know 16 and just joining a rugby club sort of thing might not might not get that coaching you know what i mean so maybe for me um and that's and i i totally agree when i'm coaching when i'm doing anything i love to take players who've never played before and then make them play 
good footy. And you could see the enjoyment on their face once you teach them a little trick and then they're, they're, you know, through the gap or, you know, a little, you know, a little kick and, and they become the best in the team at it. You know, they, they really invest in it. And I think that's the awesome thing. Um, and I think the easy, the easy conversation is the S&C conversation at the moment. So gym, conditioning, fitness, there's so much resource on that. The and why I was so keen to start rugby, uh, rugby bricks is like, yeah, that's all important. Great, yeah, happy days. We have to allocate time for that. But where's all the the rugby content, the mm. rugby coaching, the the catch pass, the skill development? Um, and that's what I'm trying to bring. So, did you did you notice um, that there was a lack, like a big piece of that missing when you when you sort of first uh, got offered roles as skill coaches and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I think that the detail was definitely missing. A lot of the content, uh, content that I was exposed to through my journey with academies and, and teams that I were in, was in, I was surprised that people hadn't heard some of the concepts that I was explaining. Um, and and just, just really simple things as well, footwork and how to catch a rugby ball to execute a spiral. Like um, a lot of that had been missed. And I th- again, I think it goes back to that thing that I mentioned before about there's a lot of facil- facilitators out there rather than people that are detailed and, and this is what I want. This is what you need to give me in a session. Um, yeah, but I suppose that's coaching, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um so for me now, I'll, I'll talk about the uh, business side of rugby bricks because I love uh, sort of uh, how a any any rugby business uh, can sort of develop into what you've made it into, which is which is awesome. Um, tell me sort of how it started and your sort of original ideas for rugby bricks and sort of how it started to developing teas and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, good question. So it's a it's a bit of a long story. So I have a crack at it. Um, Again, going back to my basketball love, I followed a lot of basketball pages. There's a lot of coaches out there t- teaching people how to dribble better, how to get a better feel for the ball, um, footwork, how to set up your moves. We can all think of like Kobe or players that have fadeaways, step backs, turnarounds, but there's actually like coaching behind all that stuff. Mm. And so I was watching these drills and these people explain stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, we can do this in rugby. There's no reason why we can't. No one's doing it. Um, and anyone that is doing it, it's just long-winded YouTube, like 27-minute long videos of, hi, I'm Dan Carter, and I play for, like, just slow. Yeah. Um, and the world we're in now with TikTok and Instagram is just like, bang, give it to me, and I want out. So that's where the idea came about. And uh, I always was pretty keen to have kicking tees, but I thought if I have an audience first, it's going to be a lot easier to sell to um, later on. So for 12 months, I just started developing content, um, literally just started with the phone um, and still use the phone for a lot of the content. It's some of the best stuff we get is um, it's just the phone on the ground in a shoe or something recording. Yep. Um, <laughs> And it's more about what's happening rather than the actual stuff you're filming on. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I started uh, filming these little uh, drills that had nothing to do with me. I wasn't doing intros. It was just like, here's the here's the cue, take it or leave it. Um, and it started to, to get good growth. People started really liking the feedback and giving good feedback. Um, and that was how the growth came about with, with the Instagram channels and what we're doing. Um, and then after that 12-month period um, started – started with the first kicking tee, which was the RB88, and that was a real learning how do you even go about making a kicking tee, how do you get one done, built, um, distribution, the works. So 
the first one we built was one similar to the one that myself and Hayden Parker used. So just wanted to, to build something similar that I knew that I'd like. Um, and then from there, we've got six T's in the range now, which, um, yeah, we've sold to over 55 countries now around the world. So, wow. um, it's been, it's been amazing to see it grow. Yeah. I've also noticed a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, international rugby players using it now and league players too. So, uh, that must be that must be pretty cool for you to see um, all these guys at pro footy level using using your product. Hundred percent, and uh, it's 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 amazing feeling. Like when you see someone using the product, backing the product, and I suppose because I I know how much went into it, um, it's really pleasing. And I think it's it's the first session feedback that I love. So whenever you use like say a new cricket bat or a new golf club and you just like your first session just like yeah that's that's mean i want to keep using mm-hmm. that um we get a lot of that feeling which is really pleasing because um especially with the rb vortex tees that we've got the high mid and low like the top of that tee the 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 amount of time we spent getting that right with angles and shape um it's cool that it's paid off <laughs> yeah, I mean, so how did, how did the process go into into I guess the build and the design process? How did how did that come about? So there's a guy in uh, in Mosgill just out of Dunedin, um, Jason from J Tech. He, I knew that I, I wanted it to be New Zealand made and designed for for the reason that that's pretty amazing to have a product come out of New Zealand. But the second thing was I knew that I wanted back and forth with the designer and I wanted to be able to sit down and problem solve. Um, the cool thing about Jason is he's got a 3D printer that you can put your idea into a computer oh. and then get a, a 3D printed mold. So um, it's extremely hard. You know, like a, a white plastic fork you get from yeah. like a fast food? Yeah. That's the type of thing it produces. Yeah, so right. the kick, kicking tees are extremely rigid, but at least it gives you an idea of what yeah. what it's going to feel and look like. Um so that was cool. And just being able to, again, with that vortex top, the top was just playing around with, um, obviously the rugby ball is a pretty unique shape thing and you can set it however you, however you want. So there's a lot of variance in that. And we just managed to, to shape the top of the tee is to, to really hold it, grip it, the type of thermoplastic rubber we used. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of back and forth. And then um, he's a fantastic guy that loves rugby as well, just like everyone else in New Zealand. And um, yeah, so stoked that we had that relationship. Sensational. So how when you build a tea like that, um, do you get, uh, before you put it on the market, do you get people to sort of test? I would imagine you've obviously test run it. I've, yeah. I've seen you do that. But did you get other people who sort of might have been uh, taller? So for the bigger kick, the, the ones that are sort of... Um, the taller ones, the you know, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, those ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, the the um the spiral is it the spiral ones? The yeah, we've got the, the yeah vortex? The, the vortex, the vortex, the spiral one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The vortex, and then we've got yeah. the the wolf kicking tees, um, which are the lower to the ground ones. Yeah. So, so yeah, the... like I when we got the 3D printed, that was the cool thing is I could see if it was visually going to look amazing, but mm. then also um, if it was actually going to be practical as well. So um, I was the main tester, but yeah, definitely um, sent some tees around New Zealand to a couple of the um, super rugby boys just to um, give feedback. Some of them were, gave awesome feedback. The tees were a little bit too light at the start. So um, the the material that we're using was just too light and it was just a little bit, um, uh, in the wind just wouldn't feel solid so we just um, had to put a slightly denser 
type of uh, thermoplastic rubber into it and that solved that problem. So, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so with the, uh, I guess, what's what's next for Rugby Bricks? Is it sort of, do you envision it doing similar things to what you're doing now or do you have any sort of projects in the works? Obviously, yeah, obviously one, if you've got any confidential ones, don't One project that I am really keen to, to build is, is the passing. So I, I'd love to, every rugby player, player and coach wants their players or themselves to pass better. Mm. Um, so I think there's a, there's a good opportunity there for um, an app that you can have passing sessions that you work alongside. Um, you, you've probably done gym sessions, I'm not too sure, where you follow the instructor through yep. like a, a hit session. Um, I'd love to put something together with passing because um, I think it's the one problem that um, needs solving for every player, 1 mm. to 15. So mm. our product, the kicking tees are so niche, right? That's one one yeah. player and the, the 15 uses a tee, whereas um, I want to get into something that, at 15 from a business standpoint 15 players could all benefit from yeah um which would really be cool so that's the next project and uh we're always got ideas coming in kale my business partner like it's it's endless and everyone's got an opinion on rugby and players and everyone's got an opinion on what we should be doing next so it's good <laughs> there's always ideas <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll find that here <laughs> um I've, I've noticed that on online everyone seems to have a have an issue like they're gonna um, fix a, fix a, fix Australian rugby, quote unquote, in uh in uh in in one you know put me in the job. I'll I'll fix it tomorrow. Like okay, right right, right champ. Um, yeah. All right, buddy. Um, yeah. So, uh, but look, that's that's awesome. And I think with the how would you I guess do that with because my always my my I, I wouldn't say issue my first thought on on kicking like you know anytime someone would kick you need someone to go get the ball back especially if i would imagine if you want to kick effectively you want to sort of instead of running to get the ball and thinking about it then kicking you want to sort of go from kick to kick to kick um Mm -hmm. so when you're passing again passing is one of those things where you don't really need a, a a a person next to you to pass to but it always helps you know what i mean with the uh where you're passing how accurate the pass needs to be stuff like that so how would you uh, t- take something that you need a team or multiple people for and then make it an individual product. Yeah. So th- there's those rebound balls that you've probably seen on the market. Mm. It's a rugby ball with the, one of the noses is just flat, so it bounces back off the wall. So that's an idea and project that we're keen to explore as well. Um but it, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the content that I do is all for the person that can go to the field and do it by themselves. Um, so using things like nets or just a brick wall is so key. A lot of the passing stuff you can do with just like a netball or a basketball. Like I think um, mechanically and muscle wise, you're literally training your body to do the movement. Like yes, the rugby ball is slightly unique, but you can still achieve a lot with a round ball as well. So um plenty of ways around that like um especially with the content we'll be putting out it'll be it'll be pretty cool okay cool yeah because i've seen i've seen a lot of um soccer balls and uh um you know netballs and stuff like that but i think because instagram's sort of so quick like and everyone wants the okay how do we pass how we pass how we pass there's no sort of those i was like well i was like why has he got a rugby like why is he a soccer ball for this is a bit, it's a bit <laughs> odd but uh yeah, yeah. but that, that that's cool you cleared that up because it's been on my mind for, for weeks um <laughs> i was like that's a bit weird um so for me look i mean obviously we've talked about a lot of 
uh, a lot of good things and sort of how rugby's developed, uh, how, developing all that sort of stuff. The other thing I would say, I played a bit of rugby in NZ last year, played in, in Christchurch uh, for the mighty Sydney Rugby Club, the boys. Cool. Um, oh. Yeah, so that was that was good fun. Um, but what I've noticed there from uh, my time playing footy here um, is the culture seems to be just above and beyond. Like, and when I mean culture, I mean like, you know, everyone from – a uh, Div 1 team to sort of like a Div 5 team has has a ones kit, button-up shirt, tie. They go to the clubhouse. The other team comes in, you know, they give a salute, they drink some beer. The other team goes back to their clubhouse, parties the night away. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. Like, I looked at it and I was like, I never want to leave here. This is great. I love this. And you're playing high-level footy. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, we don't really sort of have that here. Um, so I guess is it is it more of a sort of just like a culture thing between between the countries or is it more like the people involved? How would you sort of uh, get people into that? Because I, f- I feel when you have when you dress up in your ones kit and you go out, you really feel like you belong to a club. Where I feel like if you sort of just wear a polo, anyone can buy a polo sort of thing, and you sort of just you wear a polo, you just chuck some jeans on. It's like okay, well is he playing? Like who is he sort of thing? Where if you have a ones a, a, you know, a one's outfit specifically for the players and they show up, you know, button up shirt, tie, whatever, that you know that's part of the team and you sort of feel like you belong. So how would you implement that to Australia? I think it's um, it's definitely the people. You mentioned there, like, what is it? It's the people that are involved. So um, the people drive it. The people are the most important thing. So back home, and, and Dunedin's the exact same with the, the club rugby culture, it is like you're there for the day, you're sort of there at midday and you're there to the early morning sometimes. Um, but it's more about being involved in the club, giving get, being involved with that group of people. This is how we do it. This is how uh, we um, in, uh, integrate with the other teams in the club, the, the Prem 2s, the women's side, the under-16s. Like, it's just that real club feel. And I, I think... Probably one thing, the advantage of Christchurch and Dunedin's is that um, the smaller town and the smaller city, so there's not much on, there's no traffic that you have to plan for or, mm. or worry about. So I think those those big cities like your Melbournes, like your Sydney's, um, can because because the players aren't uh, don't see value in hanging around and adding value and wearing the kit and now nah, we're here till 10 p.m like we're fully involved bring your families your partners because that's not um, valued then people just leave straight after mm. the game so for me the way you'd set that up is is it'd have to come from the top the coaches would have to see it as important and buy in as well and say this is this is the environment we want us to try set up is that you do stay for a feed, you do um, integrate, you do stay here and watch a super rugby game that night and just really, really get involved. Like this is your club, use it, enjoy it, add value to it. Mm. And I, th- I think there's so many little subtleties and you said about um, the, everyone wants to try fix the wallabies just like that. It's the same thing. Like there's a thousand things you need to get right yeah. for the Wallabies to get back to where they were. Um, it's the same with the club. There's there's all those little things, the buy-in, the leadership group, like what's important, how are we going to do it this season? Um, that's how you'd change it, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, so for, how would you uh, – I'm very uh, passionate on uh, life post-rugby. I think there's a lot of lot of shine on 
obviously these rugby players how they got to top level and then all of a sudden they retire and just they just you know you see them on the street and you go oh yeah yeah okay and they just walk straight past them it's just like you know, they just become another person like another blob in in, in the city it's just weird yeah. um i guess uh how do you think there's enough in place post rugby to have people fully commit to rugby so in other words what i mean is do you think we do uh, i'm talking about rugby as a collective so internationally do you think we do a good enough job of helping the the uh, rugby players coaches whoever's involved post rugby to let them sacrifice their entire time playing footy because you know you get injuries to two bad injuries you know you're out of the game or one bad injury you know it's it's a career or life life, sometimes even a life-threatening injury how do you think um rugby i guess in comparison to other sports looks after its retired players yeah i I don't even i don't even think it's for everyone so even if you have a a long career that's really successful you still end up at that same point when you're 36 37 it's the same feeling of okay now what i've just been obsessed with my rugby journey for 10 years and now what? I've got no skills. I'm hard to employ. Um, I've got a big ego. Yeah. <laughs> like, I used to have a lot of cash coming in. Now I don't. Yeah. Um, so I've heard some really good things. I know that in the UK, they're, they're floating the idea of having uh, you finish your your rugby career, you retire, and then the Players Association have you on a, a contract for 12 months post-career. So it's oh, like okay. a, a post-career contract that the Players Association pay for. Um, and I thought that's a fantastic initiative rather than just everything stops to um, here's here's some money to help you through the next 12 months, upskill, get ready, employment. So um, it, it's a hard one because – in the professional environment, you just want to, like, the coaching staff, the players are just obsessed. Like, this is the be-all, end-all, sad day game. Like, put all your energy into it, focus. And I think when things are going well, that's that's great. But when you're in a losing team over a losing season, um, you quickly find out that if you, 100% of your world is rugby and that's not going well, then 100% of your world's shit mm. and you're frustrated and annoyed. So... I'm big on 80-20, so you've got to have that 20% where you are learning a skill, property, um, learning to drive a truck or an apprenticeship. Like You just have to have it for your sake but also the team's sake to be successful long-term. Mm. So how was, how was your transition from playing rugby into obviously you've sort of you've sort of uh gone a a different route and sort of set things up for yourself but how would you say your transition from your post playing career was to maybe some other people in your team the best thing that happened to me now in reflection was not getting picked like i missed out on the 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 highlanders like four years in a row and the guy the guys that got picked i was so jealous of of and like they were getting the contract they had the 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 ford ranger they got the cool stuff (laughs) and i didn't now looking back like i wouldn't change it i i then went into to property renovated some houses still got those property investments upskilled got ready for for life after so um at the time it's embarrassing you hate it they're getting the opportunities you're not but and that's why I think it's so important for the guys that are getting the the glory. They've they have, they're getting set up for failure mm. if, if they're not smart with it. And mm. that's why what what you're talking about, and even more so in the NRL, right? So they um even more sort of they get more cash 
and think that it's going well and then all of a sudden bang it stops that's right or they you know they go out one night in the town and <laughs> yeah geez, it's just it just goes downhill very quickly um <laughs> yes. yeah i mean exactly right i mean for you know my through my uh experiences through rugby i've seen a lot of a lot of players who have made the next level which is which is awesome just to see um and a lot of players who probably thought that they were good enough uh but for whatever reason didn't get picked um and of course you know the first thing they do is blame the political aspect of it oh well you know he, he just wants a second rower that's 610 instead of 66 with work <laughs> ethic or you know or, or whatever sort yep. of thing um so i guess how would you if, if i was to give you one of those guys and i said okay peter mate this guy's got the wrong mentality um yep. what advice would you give to that to that kid uh, first thing I'd tell him is that he's not interesting and he's hard to talk to because if we try to talk about anything other than rugby, you've got nothing for me. You're, right. you're not interesting. Um, so that's a, that's a good eye opener. So what can you t- talk to me about in your life? That's a project. What are you working on? What have you learned? Um, so it's not, it's not so much about, and that's why I work in project world rather than career world, because at school, all the teachers were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think it's, it's such a, bullshit question Mm. it should be more like what project are you working on um Mm. uh, do you know anything about cars do you like building what have you built um have you learned anything about investing so that's why i think those those days off the the wednesday morning or the wednesdays it seems to always be that that's the day off like how what are you doing there are you spending two hours going somewhere and learning something and that'd be the quickest fix is have Two hours of your week that is about upskilling, and bang, now you're interesting. I can talk to you about something other than rugby. Well, for me, I, uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in rugby, and I hate to I hate to keep saying about me because you know I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying right. to make it you know a thing, but um, yeah, for me the thing I've I've learned most about rugby is sort of you really got to have short term memory, don't you? Like you got to just go, okay, look, I mean. Okay, that didn't go the way I planned, but let's. What's the next job? Like, let's 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 try to. And you want to try to improve yourself, get better every day, even if it's just look. You know, I made my bed today, didn't do it yesterday. All right, sweet, I'm better. Cool. Walk it. Or I went to the gym today, or you know, I don't know. I I found a new way to achieve a skill today. Oh, really cool. You know, and then over time, you'll just be like flooded with information and. I think I think some people are flooded with information and don't know what to do with it. They just sort of go, "I've got all this information. What am I? What am I going to do?" You know, just, just yeah. sort of kept there. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that's interesting. You bring up that you know they're not interesting because there's a lot of people who, as you said, uh, don't make that top level, but probably give as much effort as the guys who do, and they don't have that balance in life. Their escape isn't to you know, like I love to go fishing and just and just sit there and just let the waves just you know, it's peaceful. I enjoy it. Um, but I don't think a lot of people have that. They sort of it's it's all rugby all the time. You know, they you know they got to do everything, and when they don't get it, they they almost can't swallow it. You know, they can't just be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm not good enough today. I've I've got to work on that tomorrow. And and this seems to be pointing the fingers and saying, well, it's his fault or his fault or his fault. But you know, they haven't they haven't learnt anything or they've got haven't got that release. Um, yeah. What would, and I think that's the, the trap people fall into is being the victim and definitely with selection, when you are a bit blissfully dumb in, in, in that rugby journey, you just play the victim. Coach doesn't like me mm-hmm. um, just because I did one thing wrong. I'm not getting picked this week. Well, it's not it's not that simple yet. You're not good enough and you're not getting picked, but what what can you control? 
Well, exactly right. What was your um, release from rugby? So when you were playing footy, uh, whether it was at Otago or whatever, what was your release to get mm. away? Again, the, the house renovations were good. We kind of always had a, a house that I could go work on and, and just do some work, paint a room or tear out a kitchen. Or I always kind of had that thing away, which was good. And the feeling is so sickening in it. Um, I always use the example of like when a kid's drops his lollipop, it's the end of the world. And that's because like the the perspective of that kid, that is the world, mm. like, world's over. Mm. And um, it's the same when you're in your rugby career. When you don't get picked, when you get dropped from the starting 15, like your perspective is world's over. I'm embarrassed. Everyone thinks I'm shit. Um, and that's that's where your brain goes. And then it's just the, the reality of it, unfortunately. So I was able to... Again, same with sport. I'd, I'd always go down to the court by myself with the basketball. I found that a really good release, like just um, one good for the brain, but also just skill development, which was was really good. Um, See, so yeah, they were my outlet. Rather than just sitting on the couch being a victim and talking with a mate about, you know, fuck the world, um, <laughs> just go and blow off some steam. That's right. That's right. Um, so obviously you started your – rugby journey probably later than, than, than some people, probably probably a late bloomer. Uh, when you were getting into rugby, who was your who was the guy that you were just like, wow, this guy's just phenomenal? Uh, we were lucky enough to have Ben Smith around, so he's fullback for the All Blacks and played played over 100 games for the Highlanders, and he was pretty inspirational just with, uh, he's often called a white battler, so he was a guy similar to myself that just had to find a way, unorthodox, but just hours and work and repetition. So he was good. Um, Tony Brown was our coach um, and he was pretty big for me just with backing me, um, saying that I was good enough to play. And I think that's such a – when a coach who is in charge of selection says, mate, you're good enough, like you're going to get your chance soon, that's that's massive. And we probably don't do that enough as coaches, I, I believe. Like don't tell a player who isn't good enough, mm. but – if there, if there is a player that you want to give an opportunity soon, like tell them, they'll you'll see them just raise mm. over the next few weeks because they've got a bit of confidence and swagger about them. Um, so those two guys were big for me. Okay. Uh, was there anybody um, sort of in your position who you felt like you could model your game after? Yeah, again, it was Hayden Parker. So I, I loved how he played and how organized he was in his brain. Like um, I think some players are really like um, they, they just do their job extremely well, which um, is why they're successful. And Hayden was definitely one of those. So, and I was the same rather than being your sort of um, big highlight reel player. That wasn't really my, my thing. My, my job was kicking well, passing well, and just, just being super reliable. So he was a guy that I modeled a lot of my game on. Did you and Hayden have a lot of sort of backwards and forwards and said, look, you know, maybe maybe we could we could have done this kicking session right or thirty minutes after training, can we just work on on uh, you know my range kicking or, or something? Was it was there a lot of that sort of going on in your development? Yeah, yeah, we definitely like we spent that many hours together and um, it was a really cool thing because we were always just helping each other get better and whoever was getting the nod at 10 got it and that was one of the things going back to that people and culture that Tony Brown our coach set up was like we're all here to make each other better and the team playing is, is still part of the team that's on the bench and like um, 
be disappointed for sort of half an hour if you do miss out, but then get back into it and, and help help someone else grow or get better every day. It was great. Yeah, I, I think I read an article somewhere on, on Fox Sports or might have been somewhere else, um, and they were talking about how Dave Rennie was going on about how the players who make the starting 23 or who make the 23, uh, it's actually the players before them um, as well, out, outside outside that, you know, um, are probably the most important because they're getting those boys ready for Saturday. Like, they're, they're the guys that you don't see who who put in the effort. And I think Robbie Dean said it on your, on your last episode mm. as well. It's just the guys who aren't picked that, you know, if, if you're there with Hayden Parker and, yeah, okay, you're, you're the one testing him at training. You're the one putting him in... in showing them the same picture that he might see on Saturday or, or Sunday or whenever they play. So The thing that I loved about that Robbie Dean's podcast, I think he said, like, you're only as good as your week um, mm. prep, and it's so true. Mm. So if you think about how can this whole week be good, one of the little one percenters that we can find to do things better, like that's that's the biggest one. Like, is our playing group fully invested on, on, on us being successful or are they being selfish and worrying about their own needs, mm. which was which really good. Hard to do, easy to say, hard to do. I, I was just going to say, I said, you know, that would be a very hard environment to set up. And I guess, I guess, that from what I've noticed, especially in Sydney, is that a lot of the players want to go to a club that's established, like a Sydney Uni or a Ranwick, because they already have that culture established in them. You know, it's been going on for years. Um, and I think, obviously, Gordon has the last couple of years with um, Darren Coleman has, has helped Gordon get to that new heights and sort of, you know, this is the culture and, and, and you sort of play under that. But um, I think a lot, of the, a lot of the clubs maybe out west might not have that. It's sort of just come play footy and we'll see what happens sort of thing. And I think Sydney Uni and Randwick and, you know, the big four clubs or whatever, they, they have that culture set up. Like, okay, cool. Like fourth grade, you're going to train with thirds and you're going to make them better. And twos, you're going to train with ones, you're going to make them better. And that's, they yeah. just, and, and making them better just makes everyone better. It goes back to that thing I said about building players. Like if you go to one of those clubs, you know you're going to get built as a player. Mm. The club, the clubs that you kind of go, shit, is this training going to be any good? Like is this even worth my time? Mm. Those are the clubs that are like, that are struggling for players. Um, mm. So yeah, those clubs that you mentioned, like they're doing things the right way. Rugby's the the most important thing. Eighty percent is rugby building players. We're going to be successful, and then twenty percent is the the fun, the fun off field stuff. So how is yeah exactly and you're exactly right. I mean, I totally right to. I think a lot of people they they think oh well, you know this guy from out west is is coming uni. Why can't he play at Parramatta or whatever? And it's you know it's it's a it's a difficult one to answer because you can't you know they're trying to make the top grade. And if they think that going to Sydney Uni or Randwick or whatever gives them the best chance to do that, then why not, you know? And it's not like they're just going to walk into the first 15 team. You know, they're going to have to, if they're going to get there, they're going to have to earn it, you know? So, um, but what I, what I want to hear from you is sort of your experience with the uh, with the Wallaroos girls, sort of um, how that came about, uh, you know, what your experience is like dealing with ladies rather than men every day. It's sort of, uh, you know, is there... Is it now in 2020 there's a little bit more banter um, sort of or less banter with, with the girls in comparison to the guys or sort of how – take us sort of in the inner sanctum if you could. Yeah, I love it. And it's, it's a great question and one I get asked a lot. So how did I get into it? I coached the Rebels 19s met boys side. Um, we had a tournament and, and I went away, loved it, um, did a good job there. I think um, 
I probably am uh, impressed with just my my detail, my coaching, presenting, um, game analysis, and whatnot. So then got the opportunity with the Wallaroos. It was something that I didn't apply for. I literally got a phone call about it, about the opportunity to, to coach the attack and and do the backs as well. Um, and it's been great. Like my coaching journey, and I'm uh, I'm not in a rush. And I want to try and develop and learn. Like I've spoken to a few coaches now on the podcast and, um, you know, they're, they're a bit older and they've, they've got a few battle scars. And I think the, the battle scars are always going to come. So maybe just be patient. Like it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> so the Wallaroos is this fantastic uh, learning environment for me because like a lot of the time these these girls – haven't got much muscle memory or reps behind them. So especially when it comes to kicking, like, and I'm uh, I'm happy to say it, there's some ugly kicking techniques that I've, I've had to try and uh, work with, ugly passing techniques, bad habits um, that, that men and girls form, but uh, because the women's game's a little bit more behind with coaching and development, there's a lot more ugliness about it. <laughs> and I've told the girls, about this and they're well aware of it so for me my coaching eye the problems that i'm having to solve the explanations the coaching cueing like it's fantastic for me because if you turn up to a a polished clean super rugby training you might only have to cue someone on five things yeah. whereas with the with these the the sessions we're doing like there's so many little fixes and cues and things you've never seen someone do before that you're like what is going on here mm. and the fixes and problem solving's been magic um so that's been great and i'm loving that side of it and then the, the banter side like it's so good they're just humans some some people are focused and don't say much some people are the complete opposite like um <laughs> yeah it's just the exact yeah. same thing yeah okay cool so how would um i guess i guess with uh and i wouldn't i haven't had much experience sort of coaching women i i, I do know some girls who play who play rugby um at, at some of the super w sort of levels the uni ones level sort of thing um but i guess as a coach or someone who's there in the inner sanctum sort of every day um what would you say uh would be the difference between sort of coaching the guys for the girls yeah the big one that i've learned is clarity creates confidence um especially with with the girls they 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 probably ask and there's definitely male players that love detail generally you find them playing first five they want to know how why when why you're seeing that same thing but i think it's it's more of a a trait within the women's game so i've tried to create give them clarity so whether that's um uh, videos via huddle um uh, PowerPoint presentations and like workbooks, um, they have all that, and then we do the training session. So they already know a lot of the whys, the questions. Whereas if you do the training session and then try to follow that up with the content afterwards, um, that's where you, you get into trouble. So um, yeah, just that big clarity on everything. There's been there's interesting. We had a chat with the um, the USA coaches. Um, they did a study where 50 male coaches coached uh, boys' teams and 50 male coaches coached girls' teams. And I think the amount of questions asked in the female sessions was 300% greater than the male really? sessions. Really? Jeez. So, so it kind of just it sort of showed what we all assume, that maybe there's more questions and more detail needed. And it's, it's exactly right. You just have to be aware of it. But then – also set up the drills around okay here's a learning block you can ask questions and learn here and then here's an execution block 
shut up and do the work. Yeah. And you have to give them the opportunity for both. You can't you can't be trying to achieve both in the same block. Mm, mm. Um, and that's been the biggest win for us. Shut up and work or no, nah, we're doing a learning block. Like what are your questions? What do you need to know? Mm. <laughs> Which well, has been good. Well I guess I guess uh, I guess sort of as a fan watching the uh, the women's the women's game, I saw the the big victory victory over Japan and you could see like the raw emotion, just like let's go, like we've, we've, like how good is this? We've actually you know got a W, and sort of everyone's watching us. This is fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, and I think I think where it looked for me in in New Zealand, where where we got beat by a lot, um, and I think the next game was was a little bit closer, but yeah. there was just a lack of confidence there. So I guess for somebody, and I guess a lot of these girls probably haven't played rugby as long as. A lot of the guys have once they reach you know national level or whatever so how do you uh, instill the confidence in them is it just giving them praise or is it you know is it yeah. more detailed there's a it's great there's a lot there's a lot in that so um another thing that uh, when you're trying to give a, a a girl or any player confidence is turn up with proof so if you were to show them uh during the week so say five clips of them achieving the task whether it's a good clean out or a good tackle here's here's the five times you did it this week this is all you've got to do in the weekend just go and execute this and and that kind of gives the proof behind what you're saying rather than just saying go out there and smash someone mm. um so it's a good way to approach it but if we we have to look at the jump from where they're coming so they play they play club rugby um, for their clubs, which is completely different rugby to an international rugby game. There's not much kicking strategy generally around the around the corner. There's not much shape and structure. And if there is, it's not world-class shape and structure. And then they come into a test window for a week where they've got this test match against the Black Ferns at the end of it. They have to come in and execute on shape, skill, pressure, shape structure at Eden Park against with 20,000 people in the, in the stand. So if you think about it, a male player playing for Sydney Uni, they play their club rugby, pretty high pressure, cameras, people, vibe. Like if they were to get thrown into super rugby, the jump isn't that big with how the week looks and what it feels like. like yeah, it's still a jump, but yeah. for the woman, the, the jump is just massive. Yeah. Like you've gone from club rugby to playing at Eden Park. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do we deal with that? So that's, that's, that's why the cry is to get more professionalism, spend more time, have, have camps, have weeks together, start with some contracts because that's the bridge we're trying to, 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 to get closer is more professional means we can be, you know, more professional in that week as well. Okay, cool. So I guess I guess for what what is it you guys? Uh, obviously, you're a, more of a, uh, a coach that likes to develop the girls. Um, do you find in your coaching staff that you need a good mix, or do you think to to grow um, any team you need a sort of the same people to be on board with the same thing you need a mix just like your, your playing team i think if you've got too much of one thing um yeah it, it, it can be overbearing for for everyone so it's probably one thing we've got really right with the wallaroos is, is the mix um our head coach, coach Dwayne nester is, is pretty hard on the girls and um and that's what they need. And if you want to be playing for your country, you need to be told the truth sometimes about your performance. That's right. And and that's the way it should be. So, um, and and also like we've got great managers who are female. The physios female. The doctors female. And and I think that's absolutely right in the women's game. Mm. Um, 
and yeah, the, the balance the balance is right. But also within your team, you need all the personalities. And I think I'm really big on personality testing and getting into that. I think it's good for everyone just to be aware of other people's personalities. If they're quiet and their personality is quiet, like it's fine. It's just who they are. Yeah. Don't force them to try be a big voice and stand up and lead. Like that's who they are. That's how they add value, and they'll work for us. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's that a lot of a lot of uh, you know sort of junior rugby. Um, I've noticed in some some spots, you know, you might get that quiet guy who might be the best player on the team, and you've just gone right, you're captain. And uh, yeah. it's sort of like, well, mate, I can't even speak to my teammates, and we're going to speak to the referee. You know, like what's what's, what's going on here? So, yeah. um, I think I think you're right in that sense. Is that there's definitely you definitely need a mix in both the playing group and sort of uh, the coaching staff. Uh, is there does do you as a coach speak directly to the leadership group and then they relay the messages to everybody else or do you sort of pick out someone and say hey like i've noticed your kicking needs is, is pretty shit out let's go let's go kick yeah it probably depends on what we're trying to get across um the the leadership group for us is more about the feel and the temperature of the team like um, are we looking after new players and new people in the environment? What's the feel? What's the vibe? I think, um, and one thing that I picked up from from Robbie Deans is empowering player doesn't mean they make all the decisions. Mm. It's empowering them to to make decisions on the field. But here's the plan that you need to buy into as well as a leader. Um, help us coach it. Help us develop it. What is your thoughts? What's your input? Um, and I probably do need to look at the the IQ level of our girls. Like we're still trying to grow these players with their IQ of the game and when to kick, how to kick, um, when to call different plays, different lineouts. Um, there's still a lot of that that needs developing as well. So um, there's probably a bit of over coaching in that. Yeah. Uh, do you think as a as a uh, as a player or even as a coach and and you're probably the best one to ask because you've had both experiences at this and I think that's why coaches are a little bit more relatable, um, especially once they've played footy than someone who's just sort of thrown into coach somewhere else. Um, do you think that the best system in, to learn something new is to have a buddy up system? Is to buddy with somebody who's in the same position or like if I'm a two row, you know, and I'm, you know, sort of floating between twos, threes and fours, maybe I get partnered with one of the senior boys in the club and they go, right, this is, this is how we, this is, this is our calls. These are the line out jumps. This is where you're going to jump, blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you find that works better for athletes or what, what would be your way? Well, 100%. And I'm monkey see monkey do. And I had some great experiences like that. And I think um, just getting it, like you mentioned about someone further ahead or in the next team above you is so, so great to have, to see how they do it, to see how they move, to see how they even execute. I had a few experiences where um, uh, it was awesome when the All Black boys used to come back to Modern Team Cup. So we'd be playing for three rounds. The All Blacks would have a break. They'd come back in and then you'd watch like a Ben Smith um come back or even like an Aaron Smith come into training and you're just like, holy hell, mm. I thought I was doing things at a good level. And then you see someone executing passing and communication and um, yeah, it's one of the big things I want. I want to get some of the Wallaby boys into our training sessions mm. because then the girls will be like, holy shit, that's what chat looks like. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. That's yeah. what it feels like. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm big on that 100%. 
Yeah, because uh, uh, I mean, as a as a player, I've always sort of like you take what your coaches says as gospel, but I think it sort of co- hurts a little bit more coming from the players. You know, like if if you come up to me and you're like, "Look, Nick, mate, like your your jumping's pretty average, or, or whatever," or my prop company said, "Oh, like you can, you can do better than that." Come on, bro. Like, yeah, all right, sweet. Like, I'm I'm listening to sort of him more because as much as you don't want to let your coach down, I think at, at the time the most important person are the players you don't want to let down as well. Um, so yeah, uh, look, uh, just one more thing, mate, before we uh, before we let you go. I guess uh, what would what would the importance be with networking? So obviously, networking is a huge part of rugby. How has networking helped you in your playing career and your post playing career? Like, what, what sort of go in detail if you can about it? Yeah, I think definitely with coaching, we all have ideas of what we think will work, um, ideas on how we see the game being played. And and it's not so much um, when you have a conversation, it's not so much about like getting something out of it, a result or a job or a coaching gig. It's just the best thing for me is like, here's what I'm thinking. Do you, am I on the right track here? Like, do you think this is right? And, and that's been my best networking is um, – explaining concepts and then someone's like yeah that's that's what that's what we do that's Mm. that's how we coach it as well um so that's been good and then probably just the the learning is as as soon as you get into it you realize everyone else is trying to learn as well and everyone else feels like they don't know that much either um and (laughs) yeah and you can probably show like with coaching a lot of the part of it is solving a head coach's problem, especially for assistant coaches. So most people come in as assistant coaches and what problem can you solve? Can you, can you give me our team a good scrum? Can you give us a good line out? Can you, can our defense be better with you in it? So that's a really good way to, to think about it. Um, does that answer your question? I don't know if it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it does. I guess, I guess, more as a networking uh, sort of point of view. I guess, in a sense, what does? I guess networking would probably help a little bit more post career. So, like, how how have the rugby connections that you've made sort of got you to where you are now, essentially? Yeah. and so many of the people that I mix with with rugby bricks are all people that you know that I may have come across or they know someone from Dunedin Otago New Zealand like the rugby community is so small Mm. and I guess it goes back to what I said about are you an interesting person so if you're someone that just doesn't offer anything at like a networking night or you're in a room and you just all you can talk about is is rugby um, it sort of shows people that that later on when you are networking or starting a business, what type of person you'll be, how you interact, um, all those things around honesty and integrity and all the rest of it. Um, I think it is so important in the players that have done well, we're always good at talking. We're always good at um, having conversation. It's a skill set and it is one that, that shouldn't be underrated as communication and, and talking to people. Um, so yeah, Hugely important. If I couldn't talk to people, there's no way that rugby bricks would be where it's at right now. Yeah, and I guess I guess I've I heard this great quote um, from uh, someone who uh, is now running the sort of Irans, but in Australia it's, it's Ira. Yep, yep. Uh, this just started up actually. Um, Tim Lay, um, he told me I had a meeting with him once, and he said, you know, rugby is like the vehicle to get you to where you want to be. So in other words, essentially, when you join a rugby club, yeah, you're bros for life and it's it's something that you've done, but it should be 
the vehicle that gets you to your destination. And people will go, oh, wow, I've got the same car or I've got the same model or whatever. And that's your connection to them. But ultimately, rugby, it puts you in the right, on the right track to get you to where you want to go in life. Yeah, 100%. And, and again, um, if you're trying to solve a problem after rugby with your business, like there's so many people that have all already solved those problems, whether it's accounting, communications, hiring, it's all the exact same stuff that, that if you, again, go with a good question and don't just turn up and say, hey, how, how do I start a business? <laughs> um, if, you, if you go on with a, hey, how can I talk to my team better or mm. set up or hire someone? Um, that's how that's how it really helps. So yeah, totally agree. How is that going? The I Ira. Uh, yeah, good. From from all, all accounts, I think I think uh, Iran's obviously because it's because it was. Uh, I think it's a good model from from what I understand. I mean, Iran's is, was very good because it gave specific uh, feedback to these players who may not have gotten that at, at club rugby level. But I think because it was it was such a New Zealand based thing. Uh, you had places of uh, people coming from all over the shop. I think the, that um, Irish prop or that Welsh prop who plays for the Crusaders actually graduated yeah, from right. from Irans. Um, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they do do a great job, and they've obviously got good good people in there. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it was run by Murray Maxted. I think um, Irans. Um, but yeah, Irans Irish here is great. Um, Tim Lay uh, has is really sort of connected the right people around that. So um, I saw the other day George Gregan and. And Matt Burke are helping out the, the Sydney-based ones. Uh, they've got ones up at up at Brisbane as well at the moment. I think Beric Barnes is in there with George Smith and a couple of other people. So, you know, that's – for me, I've always wanted to, you know, whenever I was playing junior footy or whatever, one of the biggest reasons I went to New Zealand was to see and get feedback on how they do things, you know. And, like, I realised, like, the amount of – I thought jumping in a line out was pretty straightforward. You just you'd walk in, you jump, and that's that's it. But you know the detail of you know you're taking too many steps. Or, what do you mean I'm taking too many steps? Like it's it's I take two steps on jump. Like I I've done it, you know. And it's just like okay. And as you said exactly, like if I go cool, how do I jump in a line out? I'll be like I don't know. You put your feet together, jump. Like you know what do you want me to do? You know. So but if you specifically go, hey, look. I think my speed off the ground's pretty slow. How do we improve that? Then they go cool, and they'll give you a specific drill to fix it. And I was just blown away. I was like, "Wow, okay." If I ask this feedback in, um, at maybe in Australia for savage rugby or shoot shield footy, maybe they can't give me that that answer. So, um, I think I think the Ira and Iran's um, projects allow people who are in need of development to get to that stage where they go okay, well, maybe that was part of the game that I've missed. How how can I improve that? And I think for me, any skill that you learn, when, when you face a new skill in life that you're learning, you relate back to the skill that you've learned playing footy, right? So you go, you know, it took me forever to learn how to, like maybe you're trying to do PowerPoint for your sales company. And you go, geez, like this is going to take me forever to learn. You go, well, hang on. Like I only learned how to do drop kicks because I did it every day for, you know, three months maybe i could just play around with this every day for three months and it'll be you know i'll be pro at it sort of thing and it's just i seem to relate all the things that happen in my life to the experiences i have in rugby it's weird but like it's just it it really sort of gives you a bit of clarity you go well if i can do if i can do that you know coming from wherever then i can this this doesn't seem like so much of a hill 100 percent and that's just skill acquisition and that's awesome to hear that i was picking up and those people involved like 
and again, it's probably more the coaching courses that they run is just showing the detail and, and those guys obviously use um, those coaches that you mentioned used at international rugby at a, at a higher level. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. It's good that it started. I mean, for me as well, like I've I've had a couple of ideas. I've I've got some some guys on the uh, podcast who who disagree, which is fine. You know, we're all we're all here to to agree and disagree. Um, but I was just so sort of taken back about how New Zealand club club rugby's sort of done their um, uh, whole system, and you know they've got mostly they've got sort of a Div 1 team, which is like their first grade side, and then they've got a Div 2 team, which is their second grade side, and they've got the best players playing into that, and then they feed into ITM, and then they sort of go from there. Um, And in in Sydney especially, we have a Shoot Shield side, and then they sort of go into TARS, into the Super Rugby team or whatever it is, um, and then they've got four grades, and sort of you could be playing fourth grade one day and then first grade the next day. And then if you play well enough, you get picked into touch. It's just this big, there's not really a lot of clarity there. And I think, I think for me, uh, and Subbage Rugby is, is sort of looked at as a little bit more of a, of a uh, piss up, quote unquote. Um, uh, and they're like, you're there, social footy, blah, blah, blah. But there's also some really good teams who want to play footy. They just can't commit to training four days a week, right? Like, so they want to play the Subbage Rugby, which gives them a little bit more flexibility um so for me i've i've always said well why don't we sort of make shoot shield two teams like harbour like Parramatta, like newcastle are doing now and you make that you spread it out evenly obviously with the 12 teams that we have that way you've got the best players playing super rugby and then we can make subbies almost like a whole competition where we're developing players we're giving them new skills coaches can come in they coach subbies rugby that's their development referees can come in they sort of uh, jump into subbies and they develop that way. So subbies is from the coaches to the refs to the players, they're all being developed and sort of, okay, now you're ready to graduate to sort of shoot shield footy. And then from there at shoot shield footy, you train four or five days a week. You're preparing yourself for the professional environment. Uh, A lot of people have said, obviously, because I've played subbies rugby and, and, and shoot shield footy, the threes and fours are the most important part of any team. I completely agree. I just, I just feel like for me, if you're in that environment, you need to be in that environment and give it your best. You can't be social, but also train four days a week as well. You know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah, hundred percent. Oh, and and I think you're right about what, uh, like, the Mod Ten Cup in New Zealand has put strain on because they don't get big crowd numbers. They don't, they don't mm. produce. They don't make that much money off it. But what it does do is, is again. We talked about a, a female player going from club rugby to test match rugby. Like the jump is just massive. Mm. Whereas the the benefit of how it's set up back home is is that Mod Ten Cup is it's still high level rugby. Like it's some of the the funnest best rugby you'll play. But then you make Super Rugby. It's only just that smaller step up of, mm. in professionalism. And um, because you've exposed, you've gone through a really good club, you've played mod 10, now you're playing super, like the, the progression of players, coaches is, is, is a lot more beneficial for everyone. Um, so I totally agree with what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I guess as a as a coach, um, how how does someone, I guess, I guess like you get into coaching, obviously you mentioned you coach the uh, Rebels 19s team. How, does, how would you say somebody gets into coaching and progresses that way because I don't think really anyone talks about the progression as a coach they just you just sort of one day just get a phone call and you're you know coaching the Wallaroos sort of thing so yeah I guess if you're starting off as a coach how would you say you'd progress 
I think about like like my journey. I'm probably not the best person to, to talk to because I, I came out of uh, playing in New Zealand, and obviously my my playing IP is the reason why I got the opportunity with with coaching that I'm in. And I think it's probably a good way to look at it. Like if you haven't got playing IP, which is so valuable, and why we see so many coaches that are that were professionals that did play because that IP you learn. Um, if you think about the amount of learning experiences you have as a player, day in, day out, trainings, people, the amount of coaches you've had, like that IP is just massive. If you haven't had that opportunity, then you just have to start coaching. You have to uh, immerse yourself, get along to coaching weekends, ask to go sit in on um, super rugby sessions. If they don't let you come, just go and stand on the edge of the field and watch anyway. Um, the amount of storm sessions that I've walked over and just watched um, without invite, you know, you just you yeah, just right. have to immerse yourself because again, it's the the monkey see monkey do thing. If you don't know what that looks like, sounds like, um, or or been exposed to, um, you can't. I was lucky enough with Wallaroos, we got invited to the under twenties camp at the AIS and, and that was a great learning experience because you just hear, say, you sit in on a coaches meeting, you, you hear them talking through a, a selection. Um, criteria you hear them talking about how they're going to present their game plan and um, you just get exposed so uh, I suppose just expose yourself to the next level if you're coaching club rugby whatever the next level is you have to be getting exposed to that otherwise you'll never get there because you can't have the conversation that they're having yeah yeah definitely definitely agree Um, and that's and that's good insight as well I think there's a lot of people as I said before they go cool I want to get involved in rugby and you go, cool, maybe go coach a team. And you go, sweet. Well, geez, where you know, where do I start? Under eights and how you know, how do you how do you get yeah, yeah. there sort of thing? So 100%. um the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on um is the referees. So um obviously um f- from as of late, I mean we've had Nick Berry come in, a former player for the for the Queensland Reds, uh geez, a while ago. It makes us makes us feel a bit old. Um but yeah, Nick Berry was was uh was was playing, I think, two thousand and eight, maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine for the Queensland Reds. Um and now he's a referee, which is which is great. Do you think you're gonna we're gonna see more progressions of um referees coming from players, or do you think it will be sort of the players who didn't necessarily make it at a school level because my belief is if you're refereeing an international game you've had to at least play you know super rugby or professional rugby because you know there's a bit of relatability going on there you need to sort of relate to the referee and go you know this guy's in charge you know what he's talking about cool and, and go from there yeah, and and some of the best referees have have come through. I know that, um, and I know I keep talking about New Zealand, but that's that's where I've had my most experience, and that's what I've learned from. So, the one thing that they've done extremely well. I'm, I'm friends with Ben O'Keefe. He's been on the podcast. He's he's refereed at the World Cup. They made referees cool in New Zealand. Mm. They 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 got the they got gear. They got um, I think there was six professional contracts. They all got cars like forwards. Wow. Um, they, they made it this thing that you know was a real privilege. Plus, if you got there, you were seen as this important, privileged, um, special thing, which is which is great. It's, it's how it should be. And if you're if you're one of the best in the world at what you do, you should should get good that. Um, so I think definitely that's the way it should go. The, the top guys should be um, glorified. They should be praised. Um, obviously held accountable. Um, I think one thing that being a player and then getting into referee, if you're the right temperament, is you you kind of understand 
the flow of a game. Mm. I got frustrated when I first played club rugby over here in Melbourne. I, I felt like the referees were got you referees. They just were quiet and then saw a penalty, got you penalty, rather than a, a referee who was constantly organising the game and communicating and roll away 10 or hands off, like all those little micro cueing that you do as a referee, which makes the game flow and you get a bit of product. Um, and I think that's the advantage of what players do. So again, if there's those those uh, players that are playing on those Wednesdays, days off, why aren't they um, having sit-downs with referees and getting exposed? Why not? Learn a bit about it and see if you want to do it. Yeah. And it would hopefully improve, um, you know, on both sides, wouldn't it? The refs might be getting feedback and the players are getting uh, feedback totally. on, what, on what the refs are seeing as well. Um, mate, just before we leave, mate, um, if I had to tell you um, a – oh, that's what I wanted to get you. I want to hear a good rugby story from you, one of the, one of the best uh, that you've heard from someone else or that you've been a part of or, or something like that, maybe on a tour or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> It's a PJ um, mate, remember? No. <laughs> we 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 won the Ranfurly Shield back home. Yep. And that's a it's a it's a it's called the log of wood, but it's just it can get passed around the competition. So like a, a small province in back home can win it in like a preseason game. Like it is possible for it to like jump between um two competitions. We won it for the first time in fifty six years in Otago's history. And um Massive. So, like, superstars have never won it, like Jeff Wilson, uh, Tony Brown, Case Muse, Josh Confout, all these, like, big dogs of, of the heyday of Otago rugby had never won it. And then uh, us guys <laughs> went up north and won it first time in 56 <laughs> years. Our sponsor was Spates, which is a famous beer in New Zealand. Yeah. And um, literally for four days, we just were on Spates and just it was a four day bender, and it was yeah, we often talk about it as the best days of our lives. Um, Spates were the sponsor. There's a famous restaurant called the the Lone Star back home, which just housed us for four days, meals, drinks, beers. Um, we had the international halfback Fumiaki Tanaka, the Japanese oh, yep. halfback. Yep. He was involved in the team. He was probably MVP of the whole four days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I always reflect on that time. That was that was pretty special to to experience. That that was definitely my best rugby sort of moment. Yeah, cool, awesome. I mean, and that's and that's really what it is, isn't it? You work hard, you win a win a um, the challenge shield of it was challenge shield, wasn't it? The rank, rankfully shield, the challenge shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yep. You you win the uh, challenge shield and uh, get to go out in the town, don't you? I mean, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. And then we we lost it in the, in five days' time. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it was right. the first time in fifty six years and the shortest. That's right. Episode. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's well, mate. Look, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Um, you've had a, a lot of uh, a lot of great insight, and I think a lot of information that uh, hopefully young kids and, and players and coaches can can learn from so um you know as i said before it's going to take a whole effort to to grow rugby to be the you know the best sport in the world and um you know thank you for uh jumping on and, and letting us do that together no you're absolutely welcome it was a it was a good chat i love talking through that that skill stuff and progressing rugby as well and i suppose if there's one thing that I'd wrap up with as a player is just become obsessed with, with your skill, what you're trying to do. You'll never regret the effort you put into it. You'll always look back on it and be really proud of the hours you put into it.
Yep, definitely, definitely. Um, just before we leave, uh, we'll do a quick, uh, quick uh, plug of, of of our social medias because you know that's where you find us. Um, so I've actually got one uh, rugby journey specific Instagram called under, underscore the rugby journey. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a Twitter handle. So give all those a like. Uh, Pete, mate, do you want to take take this off? Go with your Instagrams and stuff like that. Yeah, so basically if you just type in Rugby Bricks, you'll find us. So um, Instagram's at Rugby Bricks, same on Facebook, same on YouTube. Um, those are the, the main places. Instagram's the quick stuff. YouTube's the long-form stuff with a little bit more detail. So, um, yeah, get on there and, and use it. Sweet as. Um, is there anything you want to wanna say to sign us off, Pete? Uh, no, again, just really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for having me on, and um, I think you're doing a, a great stuff, so awesome. keep it up. Thanks, mate. Okay, cheers, mate. Enjoy. And also, mate, Merry Christmas and, and a Happy New Year to you. Thanks very much. Back at you.